Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Beam Voice Podcast. Today we have with us Steen Sunnesen from Statspeak. He is the Chief Architect and Information Manager. Statspeak is Norwegian Governance Building Commissioner, Property Manager and Developer. Welcome, Steen. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to have you here. Please uh, introduce yourself. Thank you. Yes, my name is, uh, as you said, Steen Sunnesen. And um, I do work in Statsbyg. Um I've been working actually only in Statsbyg for, for, for one and a half year uh, now, um, and um, has mainly been a, a responsible uh, project manager for the solution that we now call Simba, uh, which is our relatively new um, requirement database uh, or requ- BIM requirement, uh, now available in a database. But I will come back to that later. So for introduction for myself, um, originally I'm, I'm Danish actually, I'm living in Norway for uh, plus 20 years. And, um, and actually um, I have been working uh, educated architect in, in Copenhagen, uh, moved to, um, to, to Norway to uh, actually just to get a job. And um, well, uh, both a job and uh, love my Norwegian wife <laughs> uh, made me stay. And uh, so um, I, I've become very Norwegian over the last 20 years. So, um, and um, actually, when I look back in my career, I've been spending most of the time uh, professionally with, with working um, more and more gradually with with BIM, and that is actually what I work with now. And and not just BIM like in models, but more like digital information. That's why I prefer the title information manager rather than BIM manager or BIM counselor, because it's it's all about it's all about managing information in, a, in an effective way and, and, uh, and made it, make it available for uh, good planning, good decision-making and so on. So my, my journey from, from being a classic architect as, as you are taught in, in the architect school, um, I was one of the first actually um, uh, years where we had access to AutoCAD system uh, back then. Um, and uh, I did it voluntarily. It was it, w- it was voluntarily. You didn't have to. You didn't have to use it. So I was actually probably looked upon as a bit of a nerd um, because the architect school is very um, is about the the art of buildings uh, and and a lot about the textures and and feelings and so on, which is important part because it's actually the only profession, the only discipline uh, who have the responsibility for the um, for taking care of the people in the buildings uh, not just the technical fun- functionalities and and more like narrow-minded uh, technical aspects of constructions but actually how does what is the interlink between uh, the human beings uh, and 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 the constructions so but I was actually in the beginning really annoyed by how uh, inefficient every everything was from design to communication with uh, clients and con- contractors and so on um so and that was actually more like I think I, I thought it was very cost inefficient and it was uh, a lot of repeating work a lot of rework so it was boring and I I also understood that one of the reasons why architects uh, use work very long hours and at that time actually had very uh, low salaries that has improved substantially, at least in Norway, 
um, is because we do a lot of rework and it's simply limited how much we can charge for, for, for being architects, uh, simply because it is extremely uh, time consuming. So we had to do something in order to simply become more efficient. And um, for me, it could have been, it could have been if, if I had the chance to go the, for example, the lean way, I would probably have chosen that, but but I was simply in a project, a large hospital project, one of the first project using uh, Open BIM in Norway, uh, the Aarhus uh, Hospital outside uh, Oslo in Lernskog. And um, and there we, we tested something relatively new, uh, object-based, not entirely BIM, but object-based. But we also, um, and I was responsible for that in the, in the end of the project, uh, project manager for one of the buildings that was actually made entirely with using open bin um the the entrance building that you actually see uh, uh in in the uh, in the daily news every time something is wrong on Aarhus, uh, everybody is uh, is uh, filmed outside that building so i i see it actually quite often in tv which is uh, which is very and that's actually the first building as to my knowledge the first building built uh in the whole world that was actually designed using IPC. So Starsberg had uh, in parallel uh, other projects. Uh, and uh, I, I clearly admit that the, the quality of the, the models they, they, they did back then, they had much higher competence on, on, on working with IPC. So we so re really have to give them that. But uh, those projects were never built. They were not funded. So uh, we could actually sit in, uh, in the opening. Uh, we had a building smart event just right after the opening. There was uh, luckily enough uh, auditorium in that building. So we could actually meet there and, uh, and we could look at uh, rendered um, perspectives of the, the, the same, very same auditorium that was made two or three years uh, with the opening uh, long before it was ever built. So we could actually walk around in the building virtually and, and see what was the decision-making uh, that made us uh, actually come up with, with this design concept. So that was quite convincing. So that was, uh, and from, from then it was, I think that was very exciting. And at that time, uh, BIM was still not really uh, uh, mainstream. That was like 2007, we, we finalized the building, we started in 2000, um, so it was kind of, to come back to drawing-based projects, and then I got I got the chance to to actually become managing director of of Billing Smart Norway uh, in 2010, where I was um, the first managing director of the uh, of the office, the established professional office of Billing Smart Norway. It has existed uh, many years before, but it, it was kind of the first secretariat uh, they established, and um, that was a great privilege to to be able to not um, just work in one project, not just work with uh, architects, but actually to try to represent uh, all disciplines in the market. And also it really opened my eyes to both the client perspective, but also the owner perspective, the maintenance operation of building, uh, which actually has uh, quite low focus when you're a designer. Uh, yes, we have a lot of ideas what could be um, a good, but uh, I, I don't think uh, that Necessarily, there's there's a lot of evidence into that, and and for many years it has been it had to be very technical because it was like um, um, a lot of technical issues stacking up before we could actually even begin thinking about more holistic 
um, uh, return on investment, um, management on a higher level, and so on. But that's where we are now. And I can say that for my current employer, Startspeak, I'm very convinced that the position Norway has uh, where we are among the leading countries in the world using Open BIM, uh, we wouldn't have been there if Startspeak has not actually been requiring Open BIM uh, in pilot projects uh, from actually 15 years ago um, and for the last 10 years in all projects. The hospital project I was working in was not in Startspeak, um, but uh, and of course that has a great influence as, as well. That was HealthSurst, uh, the regional health authority. Unfortunately, it, it was not the same number of projects, so it didn't it didn't have quite the impact that Startspeak has has had. When Startspeak comes out and say all our project has to be based on IFC now, uh, that does really does something to a market. It, and actually, it means that in, uh, developers also know that they, they, they really have to deliver now. Solution for Revit and, and uh, other tools, they were actually um, leading in, the vendors were leading in Norway to make sure that their products were able to, to, um, to deliver for their, for, their, uh, for, for their customers. So I th I'm actually, from, for me, uh, starting working in Starspeak, it's, it's like coming full circle because it's um, um, it's a great opportunity and we can probably come back to that later, but it's a great opportunity for me to to actually see it from, from the perspective of, uh, as you said, it, yes, we, we actually represent the entire life cycle of, of the, the value chain from the early, early stakes. We're consultant for, for all the governmental bodies that is not hospitals or defense. But we, we are consultant, um, and if uh, some governmental body needs um, have, have a need, they're not satisfied with the current location, uh, we can help them either to refurbish or rebuild what they have already. Uh, and that is, a, of course, a focus that we are looking much more into now because uh, we have to be much more environmental uh, focused and, and sustainable. Uh, so and, and, and if you can avoid building, that is, of course, the best uh, solution. Um, so, but of course, we, we do have a lot of building activities. So, if you have a project, uh, we uh, represent as a client, also a commissioner when the building is finished, and the entire facilities management operation as well that we undertake. Um, so, so we are really representing everything here, and that is a quite unique perspective. I think that we um, to to see that how information can flow from the very beginning. Uh, in, through the project and also um, from the when we have experience with similar buildings and that that those experiences as and, and information should also flow back to the beginning of the next project so um, and this this kind of uh, the wheel of information that is very often depicted is like a, a bit naive illusion but we could actually represent that I'm not saying we have everything in place to do it, but we, we have the opportunity to do it and actually uh, benefit from it. So I think that is one of my perspectives. I see why it's very interesting to work in Statsburg. Yeah. Yes. It was a very long introduction. I, I hope so. it was okay. It's perfect, actually. And uh, there is so much uh, I can build upon. Like you said already, Statsburg, from, from me, I never worked with Statsburg. But I always looked up to them, uh, for for they have been the pioneer, like you said, uh, pushing the the most daring requirements, 
and not only for Norway, I dare to say, uh, like uh, I've seen uh, the the presence of Tatsbig in uh, in international involvements or meetings. Like it has been a good example for everybody, and uh, you are uh, keeping uh, doing that uh, still. And uh, now I've seen that something that I think it's very very important and it's happening. Like uh, you started working together with Baninur and uh, Staten Zagvesen, and they have also came a long way uh, compared to other places, but they are harvesting a lot from your experiences because you have been the pioneers. And uh, it's it's really, really nice to see that actually there are people that uh, believe that we can do things better, in a better way, in a more efficient way, and using our heads and the technology that is uh, available, right? Uh, and not just uh, thinking that, yeah, that might not work. It's too expensive. Uh, how much money are we going to save? No, you are doing it, uh, trying it on the projects, not not burning money. That's not the case. It's doing like uh, in a smart way, Try trying it on pilot uh, projects. And if it works, you go further on the or implement it uh, on other projects. So, yeah, I, I only have uh, positive uh, things uh, for uh, for Statsbeek. Can I comment on, um, because it, it's true that we have a relatively recent uh, formalized uh, collaboration with uh, with Barnenor. We also have good dialogue with uh, Sykhusbyg, um, the national hospital uh, client organization. And uh, Staten Zweifels now, of course, is also very interesting. Um, and um, it, it's it's true that that when it comes to BIM, not uh, using infrastructure, of course they are much further than we are. But we don't have we don't have really that much uh, infrastructure, or actually we don't have any. We we have infrastructure in our projects, but it's not really our. Uh, we we're not uh, the owner of, of of those parts. So when it comes to BIM, it's true that we have some solutions that are probably a bit more developed, and we happily share that with others. And we have made the. Uh, uh, all our requirements in the requirement database available for Bananor. That was the agreement. And they can do whatever they want with it. But of course, we want to stay updated. And we actually have recent meetings, uh, both specifically on on, um, on 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 that part, the requirement database, but also in general, how, how we're developing the way we go forward. And I um, have to say that, that we in Startsburg don't think uh, that we are ahead of uh, others because if you think that you're already behind, uh, you, you you have to work together. You have to be humble. You have to put your ego, uh, big ego, on your side. Probably you need a big ego to to uh, to be able to pursue your dreams uh, for many years. Uh, and everybody else say that uh, that this will not work and you have to go that way. But you could not, uh, you should not let your ego stand in 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 the way of of have good constructive uh, dialogue and really listen to others. And I think that already contributions from Barninor uh, and to get their perspectives on our solution has, has been very constructive and, and, and educational also for us. And, and of course we invite everybody else, um, this is not a sales piece, but I, we invite everybody else to participate with us because this is, that's what we want to do. And we really strongly believe in, in standardization what we're doing. And I think, all clients should actually have, uh, we should standardize not the requirement, but how we require, um, both in, in the uh, uh, agreements, uh, like uh, the ISO standard 19650, uh, uh, how, how that is being done, uh, terminologies, uh, technologies, and so on, that we have 
as much standardized as possible. And, and then we can compete on the, uh, on the content of the and the quality of what is actually delivered. So um, if, if we can standardize, yeah, we don't have to reinvent the wheel in, in all projects or in, in, in every organization. And we don't have to persuade every project that our solution is better than what they used to in the previous project. Because that is actually what we see now, that, that uh, when we have put together a team in the project, they come from many places, very often not Starsky projects, and they have other experiences. And then we actually have to try to educate them in how we are working. And, uh, and not, we're not saying that our, our way is, is the best, but probably it's one of the most elaborate and consistent ways of a system that, uh, so, so, so we're sticking to it until somebody uh, can persuade us to do something more efficient. And, and I think that is our approach. It will, um, we are learning from others in, by cooperating and gradually improving uh, the way we do things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that sounds very good. It must be very exciting to work in uh, such an organization that you see that actually is trying to, to do what it needs to be yeah. done and not only complaining. I have to say that 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 when you see from outside, it looks uh, very glossy and fa fancy, and everything works. Uh, seen from the inside, it is of course a lot of work to to make things works, and and it's it's it, that situation is far from ideal, and and uh, and we're we're quite open about it. There's many things that that uh, many solutions that we think is, is not in place, is not mature, uh, so we cannot and we cannot bear the cost of developing it ourselves. Uh, but we are trying and helping and participating where, where we can. So there's a lot of activities outside our projects and outside our organization in, in for example, in standardization work and international work, development work. Um, and um, yeah, so it's, it's and, and just as I said, in, in projects, we have to, every project has to succeed. It, it's not like that. We, we cannot afford to, to just to experiment and fail in a project. All projects have to succeed. So, so there's a limit to how experimental uh, we can be in projects. There, there, there's been a few uh, buildings like Digibook. Um, you, you take a small building and, and where we can have a very high degree of risk and we can take a lot of risk because the, the consequences if we fail in, in some areas is very small, it's tiny. And then we can learn from it. And, and uh, based upon that, we can, we can uh, improve uh, methodologies, other places, but in general, in in all projects, especially the large and prestigious projects, we have to be very focused and and hopefully uh, always actually used technology that we have either that we know uh, will work or that is at least considered not very risky uh, to to um, to implement. So, just having said that. Uh, yes, Starswick is is a fantastic organization, but because we are allowed to to ask those questions and we are allowed to to challenge ourselves, and but of course from the inside we can be frustrated that we are not developing faster. But that's the, that's a bit of the nature of of the the industry uh, that all projects have to succeed. And and we cannot we cannot be so experimental that we fail. Yeah, yeah. Most definitely, I'm not saying that like uh, you came to a level where you don't need to do any improvements anymore. And definitely, no, be, we see boring, only... wouldn't it? <laughs> no, but it's still so much to be done, right? Like yeah. 
yes. to to involve everybody uh, across the supply chain, right? Maybe you are doing it, but maybe the contractor who is building, maybe they are still not adhering 100% to what you require to. Maybe they are not, uh, each time you have a new contractor, maybe you have uh, the same challenges and such, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. definitely something that, uh, yeah, we are, we are far away. Uh, but it's good to see a beacon of line. This is uh, this is how I perceive this. A beacon of line, uh, of light. Uh, people that are, have the courage to 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 uh, go in the dark and uh, try things. This is very important. Um, let's uh, go a little bit to the basics. Basics. Uh, and uh, please tell me uh, what is BIM for you. Yes. As building information yeah. modeling, not yes. building information model, but building information modeling. Building information modeling um, as as kind of the, the concept of of using digital representations for decision making and such. Um, um, it, it it is exactly that. It 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 is it is an integrated part of uh, all activities. Uh, it's about it's about people uh, communicating with each other. It's about uh, working in in sound ways. Sound meaning that you're creating value. Uh, with uh, as little loss and, and errors as possible, um, that you can pursue your goals, whatever they are, in, in your project or as a, as a customer for us or, and, and uh, for us as a client, or you have objectives for, uh, for, for different uh, companies. Um, so, and in, in the beginning for me, it was very like the model, uh, it was very much the the, the the B in the the building, uh, and and over the years I've come to understanding that it's of course uh, much more holistic. It's uh, it's uh, it, it should be all over uh, integrated in the entire value chain, all disciplines, uh, and it's about information. It's about people actually, and uh, and 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 the people part is is something that is very often forgotten because uh, you have all these um, flashy um, softwares and and uh, presentations with, with with models that can do a lot of uh, fancy things, but the only the, the only reason why we have it is because there's somebody in the other end that has to do something, make a decision, uh, make an offer, uh, go out and and, and dig a uh, make a digging <laughs> uh, or, or, in 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 the ground or or make a construction or facilitate. Um, uh, construction or something something like that so so that is that is the perspective it is for me now and that's why i, I choose to call my myself more like or regard myself more like an information manager rather than a bim counselor because i think it's quite narrow and um and uh, we i think we have to lose the idea that the information is in one model like like a file or model server that everything has to be geometrical uh, we have to loosen that up um, that is how we are designing new buildings but when we are digitizing all exist all existing buildings they cannot never be on the same precise level and they can will consist of far beyond all, more than 90 percent of all the construction that we we have so when we are looking into the crystal ball and say like 10 years from now or 20 years from now uh when all constructions in norway is digitized some way uh, most of them are building that today is, is existing today and they're not modeled uh the with with, with modeling tools 
So they have to be digitized all the way. The, 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 uh, the sources of information um, will be different also. So we have to be very, uh, for the work, we have to be very forgiving in, 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 in uh, where the information comes from, except it has to be open standard and the information has to be correct. Um, but otherwise, the source of it and how it's linked together, uh, that should actually be solved under the bonnet, uh, not really a concern for the user, because otherwise that will be a major obstacle for uh, implementing it. Um, so um, I don't know if I'm spinning off here, but that is uh, the, the focus I'm having now. And, and of course, we have, we have this idea of the BIM. We've all seen these models, uh, we very detailed models. But I think that information models will actually, for the majority of the industry, further down the road for operation and maintenance, which is where we actually put most of our, of our money and resources as a, as a society, uh, will, will be much more messy <laughs> and, uh, as, and, and, and not so geometrical or at least not so uh, precise as we are expecting from, from uh, new designs in uh, using uh, BIM authoring tools. So that is the, that's what that kind of the reality that is beginning to dawn from us, let's say Starsbridge. We are uh, um, uh, finalizing like 10 buildings per year. We have like 100 buildings ongoing, uh, projects ongoing each, uh, at, at each time, uh, approximately. And, um, but still we have 2,300 approximately again, uh, uh, existing constructions. So, so the vast majority of, of constructions is existing and they're not digitized in any way. And they're certainly not BIM in a detailed matter. Uh, manner. So, so, and and that that would be our future perspective when we're talking about the digital digital twin for operational uh, state. It's all about uh, is the information is it available? So, is it open format? Uh, and and is it reliable? Can we trust it? That that would that would actually be the focus that we have in the future. I see. Regarding the fact that uh, you say you don't have uh, all the buildings uh, in a digital format. That might be a, a reason for that might be the, like for new projects, you design starting with this in mind, like you will have a 3D model with the information, you, most of the information you need, right? But when you think about existing buildings, maybe you need, uh, like that is a cost, is not giving you anything maybe right now, right? So it's, a, it's an existing building, so uh, depends how uh, would be possible to find a way, a cheap way to do that. Or uh, what, what, what do you see uh, the challenge uh, for doing that? Or is there just not enough capacity for, I don't, uh, what, what do you think about this? When you're digitizing building, I mean, one of the most promising and, and also used technologies is uh, laser scanning. And, and uh, one way or another or of using that point cloud that a laser scan generates and to use it uh, to, as a basis for, for making a model at, at, at some level, uh, often referred to as a slim BIM, it's, it's not a, a it's not discipline models. So you cannot really differ the, the, the different disciplines. Uh, it's actually just one big blob of uh, objects and services. And then you you may have some some points of information where you can point at at uh, uh, products equipment, for example, that are important for uh, operation, where you can reference documents uh, to and so on. Uh, the technology for doing that is has been uh, very expensive uh, and therefore also unavailable 
for 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 most uh, projects and and owners for a long time. The the prices are going uh, down uh, a lot at these uh, in these uh, years, and I and especially I think the the um, uh, the more automation you can get into the translation from the point cloud to the model. And uh, and also if we can, because actually that's one of the things we work in StartSpeak now is to make specification, uh, not just for new buildings uh, with the Simpa, but we are actually producing the Simpa X, like in existing buildings. Uh, and uh, and I think that actually, which, which may seem right now as a kind of a byproduct, something uh, uh, we're doing on the side, uh, but that would actually be the most important uh, 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 requirement set, at least when you see the number of constru potential constructions that can be applied to. Uh, so, uh, and, and the technology for transforming the, the scanning to um, a model that makes, that makes sense, that can auto-registrate as much as possible without making the geometry too heavy, for example, to, to handle. Um, that is, uh, I think that is where the, the the biggest challenge right now is that that it it does take um, people to do it, and and the cost, for example, when you say that uh, we have a cost of I think it's about roughly twenty five kroners per square meter uh, for scanning and and um, and modeling a very very simple model. Um, and um, that will be, uh, if you apply that with, with uh, 4 million square meters that, that we have, it, it's, it's actually like 100 million kroners. Um, it's not that expensive. It is expensive. You, you, you're not doing it uh, without a cost, but, but it can be done. Yeah. How cheap should be for you to make sense to invest in this or to, to consider that it's not expensive? I'm not saying that. I, don't, I, I think I think 100 million is 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 not that far off. If we can actually uh, use the buildings uh, in facility management and and operations, so I think that that uh, when we can have much better uh, understanding on on how to facilitate operate our buildings based on on more centralized. Um, Everything can be done more in the offices, planning in the offices, uh, remote control of, of uh, constructions. And, um, and of, of course, a lot of that is, is done by, already is implemented now with energy control, energy management, uh, not related to BIM at all. So, but, but to, to the extent that we, we see that using models, as a visual platform for understanding the building and, and connected with uh, photo registration as well. So you can move around in a model that actually looks like the building and you can have like points of interest. You can say, I, I wanna see what is this, this meter here uh, and actually get real life data on that meter from the building and link those two together. And of course that has to be developed, but once we see that, that it actually has a business case and we can make some calculation and see is those hundreds millions, for example, uh, is is uh, can 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 we uh, can we um, defend that in the in investment? So I don't think I think the the, the prices have gone to a level where it it should be uh, assessed whether we should do it, not full scale, but on a larger scale, simply to see what the advances uh, are. And we're doing that. We are actually uh, um, uh, scanning and modeling 
uh, for, for that purpose, um, I think more than 100 buildings uh, this year and next year. So, uh, and actually to, to, to get that, uh, those experience, I think that's extremely uh, interesting because that is a relatively new path. It's a bit under the radar. It's because it's not like considered, it's not really BIM because it's not so detailed, but it's actually representing an enormous amount of the turnover of potentially uh, efficiency uh, improving of, of, of a much higher turnover than all the actually relatively few new buildings that we're constructing using full fat um, BIM um, requirements today. Yeah, well, for me, that is BIM because you, you model information about buildings. Uh, of course, you don't, you don't need the information for the design of the building because you have the building already. So as long as you model the information to use it to if, uh, make more efficient your processes, so that's BIM for me. But I think I, think, I, think I really like your, your question is that you say, how, how low should it be? And I, I don't have the answer because it's, it's about business. So, so uh, we don't know. And that is actually one of the problems that we have, is that we um, we have, we're not very good at measuring. We're not we're not very good at uh, either using and 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 using also uh, research. Uh, we lack a lot a lot. We don't have the research tools to how to measure on performance of um, uh, of, of of different processes. It's very difficult to go out and measure. A lot of the activities that is going on in the industry, you can say con contractors are um, the actors that are the best at measuring. Um, they are also um, they have the lock that a lot of their activities is actually ongoing uh, quantitative uh, activities. It actually becomes something you can measure on how fast you're making this concrete wall. You can measure on how precise it is. You can measure the the cost and the purring and, and there's a lot of things you can measure there. Um, but how do you measure um, a decision uh, where the impact is is you can only measure quantitatively in two, three, ten years time? How do you how do you do that as for example a designer or as a client? How do you measure the the, the quality of your job when everything is is not really you don't have a benchmark uh, because there are, there are no two equal projects. Uh, all projects are not the same. And um, for example, you, you see one of the curves, and I also been uh, been using that uh, myself. That uh, all other industries has a, a growth in production rate uh, over the ten or twenty years, except from agriculture and and uh, and the AC three uh, AC uh, industry, but uh, the, the construction industry. But I'm not sure that's true because the building we're building today is much more complex and, and have uh, many more requirements to them uh, technically and environmentally uh, than just 10 and especially 20 years ago. So, so you can say that even if it's a flat line, <laughs> measure that, that it costs the same, uh, with of course regulated for, for a cost index. Um, we have probably been adding uh, a lot of productivity using BIM today with to just, just to remain something that looks like status quo, but is actually quite, uh, quite a substantial improvement in productivity. But we're not sure. We don't know. And, and, and that's actually what, what I miss here, because I think we, we have more or less come to a level. I, I'm not sure we are really getting um, much more efficient now if we don't get measuring and management into play, measuring, measuring and learning uh, together, 
um, you do the measuring in order to be able to learn what is actually working and actually not working. And actually also you have get an understanding of what are the causes of why went wrong and why it succeeded. Uh, we all have experiences from project, everybody who's working project have experiences with uh, things, methodologies or technologies that work good or bad, but we actually don't know really why. Um, and I really miss that. And so, so we, we miss, and I think we miss the, even the tools for doing it. And that's why I, I call for research. And um, I think that there's a growing, uh, growing awareness of this, but I haven't seen any results of it. Uh, I, I kind of in the uh, Finnish people a bit more. They're much. They have a much stronger uh, uh, research environment in in the construction industry. And uh, but I'm I'm not sure if they're actually having any uh, activities on on measuring productivity using them together with also leadership. The other part is leadership um, because when we when we understand, we learn more about. Uh, what works and what doesn't work, uh, we need to change. And that's leadership. has to be directed. Uh, we have to focus our development not uh, based on available technology, but actually how we want to work. Again, it's about people. Uh, so, and, and how you get the best best out of the people that you 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 have in your project. So, so I think that it's it's um, um, those, those are the part that we have to look into uh, the coming years. And of course, in lack of uh, more gen general research from like universities, uh, we can at least start to measure using tools like, for example, virtual design and construction from the SIFI Institute in, in Stanford, um, that is really calling for everyone who is a decision maker uh, or anybody who's, who's, who's responsible for decision making uh, to, to, to measure the performance of, of what they're doing. And, uh, but again, that can be very, very difficult for a, a, a large part of the industry who does not have the benchmark. They, they, we don't know. Yes, we know what we're doing. We don't. We know how we're doing it, but we don't know if that's good or bad because I only have myself and maybe a few other colleagues as a references, and we all do things a bit different. We we don't really know. Yes, I'm a good project manager, but I can I can I do it better? Of course I can, but I don't know how. So um, and and we need those benchmarks. And we need to have a discussion uh, about how, how we can do that. We're trying to actually raise that as an internal group in, in Strasbourg, uh, actually across the different sections. I think that's very interesting. Uh, more and more people are getting a certificate, a VDC, virtual design construction certificates from, from either Stanford or from the work Stanford has with uh, NTNU. And I think that's very, that's kind of starting to generate a critical mass now of people uh, coming together and discussing these ideas, and I think that that will uh, that will benefit. Uh, we, we will benefit from it, and and also I think that will instead of is the tech guys pushing the BIM and uh, yeah you can do a lot of things you can make uh, good coordination models and uh, you can have your cost estimates uh, and so on instead of that you actually have the project managers and the design managers design team managers. Uh, requiring the BIM and say, I want this BIM because I need to make this decision. And if I have this model with these iterations, I can I can make that decision much better and much earlier time and save a lot of time and money in in the project execution or make it make a make a construction that's much more uh, sustainable to to operate. Um, and we we need that drive. We don't we don't see it yet. There's a few um, 
few pioneers uh, looking into that, but it's, it's not like mainstream. And I really hope we can get there. I, 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 but I see a coming, a raising awareness of it. And I think that's very interesting. Yeah, it's very important. Uh, exactly that what you said, that uh, raising the VDC competency, like people will see more and more and understand better the use case for BIM. So that's uh, and especially in leadership position because there is what I see not in Stats Big but outside in a smaller organizations maybe a very uh, disconnected uh, environment between the people that know how BIM works and they try to use BIM tools and everything but in the leadership it's like leadership is not encouraging this they do because the lack of the understanding. Leaders don't actually have to understand how the technology works, but they have to understand how the decision works, the, the, the decision process. And I actually think that a lot of leaders are not aware of that what they are doing is actually they are decision makers and they are uh, facilitate decision making. That is leadership. It, it's, it's, it's all about facilitating, make sure that you have the just just the right amount of information that you need with with sufficient uh, quality to make the right decision at the right time. So, and to, to break down a building and construction into thousands or millions of decisions in the right order. So you start with a large conceptual uh, decision. Of course you do that, but actually to really understand how, how you can improve that, uh, I think that is something that we need uh, much bigger. I'm not saying I can either. So it's, it's, it's bloody difficult. Um, but we need to raise the awareness here that as leaders, we have to be uh, better at facilitate the, the decision-making processes and, and require the information that we need. So, so when you say that, when, when we can just focus, it makes, understand your own role as a decision-maker and see what information do I really need and, and on what levels do I need to, to know it, that will actually be the call for uh, the model and say, well, actually the model has to be matured Good enough on this level, uh, maybe different iterations going, showing different concepts and what the consequences are in order to make that uh, decision. But they don't have to understand really much of the model. They just have to focus on what do I need for, for me to make the decision. And, and once they understand that, I think we, we will finally bridge uh, the, uh, I would call it a gap between uh, those working with modeling the uh, the designers and those who make the conceptual decisions. Do you have any tips regarding this actually? How do you connect these two worlds? Like uh, how do you make the top leadership become open to this and understand and try to take some risks, if you can call it like, like that, uh, regarding this? Because I, I like, it's, this is a challenge. That is, that is a big challenge because, I mean, of course you would start with uh, to influence the the project with the largest turnovers, and that is usually also having the most successful project managers and and leaders uh, attached to it, and and they have uh, large egos, and you don't tell them what to do. I've heard that the two greatest drivers in the industry is uh, envy and fear, and I think that's true. Uh, so so if we can make good pilots for projects where you really focus on that, you 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 start with. Maybe the, the few leaders that that believe in something and and uh, are willing to to pursue uh, this way of working, make sure it you succeed, 
And you hold up, this is an example that you can envy in the beginning for the early adopters. And while you see the other projects starting to do the same, at a time, there will also be a fear that if you're not changing the way, you will be out of job. Um, and I don't have better answers. I don't, I don't have like a magic wand to say that now we can change the mentality of leaders, uh, project directors, and so on. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I, even I've been in projects that was um, extremely ambitious, that, that had ev all, all the conditions was right. I mean, uh, in terms of uh, the right contract, the right incentives to work together, all the tools uh, available and so on. But actually experience that the lacking uh, belief from the top level leadership that more like 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 uh, triple down to the mid managers and further down the system and it I'm not saying it failed but um, it didn't it didn't deliver on on all the uh, all the objectives because it, it it and it was it was messy because uh, actually there was not a consistent belief that what they have actually established in the beginning was the right way of doing it. So they started working the old way uh, when the first challenge hit the project. Uh, so I've, I've, I've seen that too. So it's, it, and really demonstrate how important leadership is. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, maybe I don't see too much uh, material about this, but I guess, you guys, that's big. Can can uh, can give uh, to other people around or other organizations around many examples, right? Like there are there are many success stories. Uh, do you do you put all of this outside there? Maybe uh, like I'm I'm talking about. I'm thinking. I don't know how much the the municipalities are doing to employ BIM. I don't know if they try to integrate a BIM strategy in their organization? Some of them are, yeah. And I think it's become quite, quite mainstream, actually. It, it, it's not that, that uh, when, when I started uh, 10 years ago in, in uh, Building Smart uh, Norway, we also had this approach that we wanted to promote the, the, the good stories. I mean, I, I think we could count the, the good stories in, in maybe two hands. It was like 10 construction projects ongoing or, or uh, finalized. Uh, that was kind of considered not failures. Um, today, I don't know. It's in the hundreds uh, because it's mainstream. Um, but I would say are all using it in, in a way that actually serves them uh, make the optimal return investment? Probably not. And, and I think that is, that is the next challenge we have now when we are going, when it's mainstream, is that we see there is a gap between available technology and the pioneering projects and the uh, the big mass of projects also in Statsburg uh, that are being produced by um, by maybe not the top 10 design teams or contractors. Um, and we see there is a lack of competence there. There's it's, it's really a gap. And I would say that instead of focusing now on making new developments in new technologies now, we need actually to focus to 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 raise the, uh, the what I would call the mainstream, um, the rest of the industry to a level where we know that they can actually deliver on minimal uh, sufficient requirement. 
So for, for development, you, you have this curve about the, the cutting edge, the early adopters, uh, and so on. And then you have the lacking adopters and those who are resisting. And, and um, we, we are getting, we're getting to the top of the curve that is not the early adopters anymore. It's the, the more like normal or late adopters and, and, uh, and, and those who are, who are actually resisting that we need to, to raise now uh, because we, we need also in, in, in South Africa, as I said, we have approximately 100 ongoing projects uh, at the time and we need to have a consistent level of information from all projects. Otherwise, it's not fair, and we're not getting that. I can, I can, I can say I'm not giving you any numbers, but it, uh, if I did, it would look quite uh, depressing um, because we, we're not getting nearly what we want. Um, that's one of the reasons why we have now made this solution out uh, to to focus not just that they use BIM, but actually we require a handover in BIM on a specific level, and we're actually going to check all the models that is delivered to us. Actually, we want the project themselves to check it and give them the report to us uh, so uh, we can see that they have documented that they're actually delivering what we're paying them for. Okay, so you're saying that uh, requirements are important on a project. They are, and I think it's it's actually, um, we need a change in, in, in how people think about providing services to a, to a construction, if you're a designer, if you're a contractor, if you're a product vendor, you're very focused on the on, on the building, the actual building. And of course you are, because that is kind of, that is the end product of a project. But the value of that building is depending on how it's operated and maintained. And, and, and that again is depending on information. Because buildings are so complex today, it, it, it's, it's not easy to get that information. So we need to have that information digitally available, has to be correct. And that is why you have to understand as if you, if you want to work with Startstrick in, in, in the future, the information that you can deliver together with the building, the information that we have required, is just as important as the building in itself, because it's an integrated part of the value of the building, not just the building as as a physical uh, thing, but the value for us as a as an owner and for the user, our customers, the governmental body. Um, and I think that it has to, that has to change. Uh, people have really the industry has not understood this yet, but they will soon. We'll make sure of that. <laughs> That's that sounds very promising. How do you guys see in, uh, the ISO 9650? How much do you adhere to it? Do you do you try to implement only that, or you have on your own takes and views on different matters? I think that that the 9650 is there is you can say that there is not there's not one thing in the two first part of the 9650 that we have start to look at. Uh, that we uh, we're not doing at all. We we, we I think it's it's not like the 9650 invents something new, but it's a very consistent, uh, systematic approach to do things and call things in a standardized manner, making processes very transparent, making sure that you're not forgetting some something or somebody. And because also because it's standard, it's it's uh, it's neutral. It's it's not 
client-driven or contractor-driven or designer-driven. Um, so everybody is represented. And, uh, and that makes, again, as I said, you shouldn't really be start to reinvent the wheel in all organizations and in all projects uh, like we more or less are doing today. Um, even though that we have a lot of standards to build upon, it's, it's applied differently. And I think that this again can help us to, to uh, for example, one of the things that I'm looking into now is actually how we can implement the part uh, about how we are agreeing, how we require and agree upon information deliveries, which is basically the, the part two of the ISO 19650. The part one, the basic principles and also the common data environment, for example, is something that is also looked into. Um, we already have many of the co co components, but again, do we have all the uh, all those components uh, for very good information exchange in in all project stages and also for for um, asset management? Are those in place? Uh, are they connected? Do we have the right procedures? No, we probably not. So, but we're looking into it, especially also for for requiring and and uh, and agreeing on on information deliveries. If you just focus down to the model. Um, Actually, one of the things what we're doing now is in all projects, we say that these SIMPA requirements, SIMPA 1.3, which is the current version, um, is required. And, and nobody really looks upon that really during a tendering phase. And afterwards, we start talking with them how then actually to deliver upon uh, those requirements. And that's not the right way of doing it, at least not from our perspective, because our uh negotiation leverage is highest during the tender phase not after the contract is written so we we actually want all our information deliverers uh companies that deliver information to us uh to confirm that they're doing it actually going to deliver uh how we want it according to the simba requirement and if they have any deviation now is the time to agree on it after it's too late and, and that is, I think it's a perspective that we're looking into and, and we will pursue it, but it takes time for a large organization as, as ours to, to do such changes overnight. It's, it's not going to be done overnight, I can promise you uh, that. And then of course, there are two more um, parts coming out, has just recently come out for facility management and data security. I have to say, I haven't looked much into it. Uh, it's, they're very overall, again, we are doing a lot of it, uh, but are we using the right terms, uh, uh, terminology? I'm not sure. Um, we have to look into that. Terminology is important because it, it makes it much easier for us to communicate with everybody who uh, makes services to us. And especially also, we have a lot of uh, foreign companies working for us in our projects. And, and of course, 9650 will be much easier for us to to make sure that everybody are on the same page because we really understand this document here is actually have the same function in our project as you used to in the other project in another country. Uh, so I think that is one of the strengths of 19650. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. Uh, it helps uh, avoiding misunderstandings a lot. It can uh, help regarding that. Yeah. You said uh, previously, uh, you mentioned a little bit uh, that you are going to require uh, much better documentation delivered. Are, is, is the fact that today uh, the contractor or who is delivering you the, the building, they don't 
don't wait too much that uh, they they focus mostly on the, to build the building and they see the documentation as not so important is that a fact i'm i'm don't know about this i'm just curious so especially when we come to the uh, construction stage it it even when you have a very good as designed model the information in that is partly used by the contractor and subcontractors product vendors but um a lot of new decisions is made in of the construction during the the construction stage and uh i i don't know of projects where you successful can say you know you can say that all those decisions are actually updated in the model the information level of the model from as designed to as built usually is is um there's a lack of updating the model uh, during the design stage so so the as built uh, the model is is not as built and does not represent the actual building, and often to an extent where y- you can argue that the model actually do not have the the right value. And again, to call back to the argument as before, the information about the the construction is actually not maybe not just as important as the construction in itself, but it is a part of the value of the construction. So that's something we really need to address. We have actually reached out to the contractors association. Uh, EBR uh, to do something about it and to see if we together can uh, make a requirement set for what do contractors need for them to do their job more based on BIM. So, and then we can forward that requirement to our designers, make sure the designers deliver that to the contractors. The contractors work with the BIM instead of requiring drawings and, and also update the BIM. So we, in the end, and that is, of course, the the carrot for us in this is that uh, we uh, get the models updated in the end. So, the, but the, that's very new, very new project here. But this, uh, when you start talking about designers and contractors and you as client, now uh, now we come uh, upon uh, another important aspect, which is the contracting form. Let's talk about the contractor contracts. After you tell me, let's say that there is a customer that are not using, they don't think. Uh, like you, they they don't care uh, the documentation they get. They still they get drawings and everything. Uh, why would they uh, look forward to uh, your approach to to start big approach? Is there any value in this, like to have to get a better documentation delivered? Yeah, I think it's the combination that at least some contractors they have tried BIM uh, and, and using information models to an extent so they actually know it makes their process is better and it makes their planning better. It avoids usually those projects where everything goes wrong uh, and costs uh, a lot of money. And also they know that they can reduce risk uh, in their uh, initial offer. So they make them more competitive. So, but, but that is of course, when you, that under, all those understandings is on, if you, if they already are on a higher level, um to get the smaller contractors and subcontractors a lot of foreign subcontractors uh on board um it's requirement and we just have to stand on those requirements that uh, if you don't deliver according to this you're out i i don't i don't see i don't see how else because it's it's you you, you need to have a certain level of understanding before you actually see how what's in it for you no, um, I, I was not clear enough, actually. Uh, I was thinking, like, let's say there is a client, like, uh, starts big in another country. 
and they want uh, like why would they be in uh, what why should they employ BIM? How can they benefit as a as a client? Yes, yes, as a client, not contractor. Well, um, again, actually, for us, it, it's uh, you get uh, potentially better processes, better communication, um, and uh, especially better decision making. Uh, decision making is everything for us. We are decision makers, and we facilitate decision making, and um, and um, and hopefully also in the communication with the contractor, the contractor understand the project better, uh, how they can compete. Uh, see the downsides of the the, the risk uh, can actually be more competitive and, and give us a lower price. Don't have to speculate in changes. Um, no, they they can actually be competitive and deliver on time and money. Um, so there's a lot of benefits here, um, but to have the potential benefit and actually to to harvest the benefit that is the challenge, of course, to be able to facilitate a project in a way that. Make sure that you get it, and and then you're, as you said, you're you're back into the incentive models. I mean, for example, one of the contract models that has been discussed uh, also in Norway is the uh, integrated project delivery, the IPD, um, which is kind of a in in Norway it's called Samspil Alliance model. Uh, so there are many ways of doing it, um, and I actually I think that you can you can build in. Um, I've been working in IPD project and, and it's fantastic where you can go to talk with everybody, even if, if it's a contractor or, or other disciplines as designers and everybody is on board. Nobody says that, yeah, but I don't have, uh, I don't have an, an interest in helping you. Uh, so I'm not doing it uh, because you, you meet that. But again, I've experienced to go from from person to person, and and everybody were helpful also in other kind of more traditional turnkey or, or uh, client controlled projects, and everybody was on board and helping each other simply because they were had the right spirit and they were good people and they had a professional uh, practice. And I also been in um, in Samsung's projects, maybe not the IPD project, but Samsung project where people were terrible and not working together and only doing what they had an economical interest in doing. So I think it's very much about, like we said about before, leadership and to have the right leaders, but it's also to have the right professionals. Uh, and you can only do so much. Incentives are good. They are helping something, but uh, culture is, uh, is also extremely important. Culture in, in business culture in the, in the organization that you work in or, in or just in the group that you're working with. Yeah, yeah, culture, the cultural yeah. change, it, which is is the biggest obstacle. Yeah, indeed. Regarding, um, like, for a for a client, for an organization, like, uh, if they they need to implement and have better requirements, if they would like to get better data and such, they would need to make a big effort. If they today work by the old, old, uh, they they employ the old uh, workflow, right? Like they. Like if they they would start requiring implementing a BIM strategy at the organization level and uh, starting having BIM execution plans and uh, exchange information requirements and everything else, they will need to invest in this. They will need people with the competency. They will need tools. They they will need some time to uh, to train and everything, right? But uh, from from this, like, uh, would they 
save maybe and uh, could they make more with that information uh, if they get it that to save more during the facility and operation phase because this uh, this is how i'm looking at the situation i see like uh, with the documentation we get right now today like and uh, i'm let's focus on the drawings right it's not so much flexibility you have you need to put in the the physical wo work or to uh, go through pdfs to watch for the to look for details right right you cannot read it that, uh, you cannot search in a tool uh, that, yeah, search for that detail and see where it is. Uh, it's it's very difficult, right? But uh, would it would make sense like, uh, uh, and there are people that have some uh, archive uh, rooms with the uh, drawings who never uh, is going there to use them for tens of years, right? Uh, so I'm thinking like, if you have a smarter or a better quality uh, information, right? And uh, maybe uh, it can that lead to some... Uh, uh savings during the life cycle the the operation Absolutely. phase and that's what we're hoping for and and uh, are working for but again we don't have numbers uh we don't have numbers because we haven't we haven't done it yet uh especially for facilities management and operation we we, we simply haven't gone that far but again we are very bad with the numbers we don't have the benchmark i think there is an american uh research from uh, uh, NISC, I think it's 20 years old now, saying that you can save like, or the cost of not having available correct information about your facility costs like, I think it's $2 per uh, square meter. And then you can do the math in a relatively simple building over the years, how much that will cost. Uh, if you have like 2,000 uh, square meters, it will cost you 20,000 kroner, something like that uh, current uh, dollar price uh, uh, a year uh, and 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 is is that is that worth the investment i'm not sure i haven't seen anything else since that uh, very old uh, uh, research and and i don't think why it's the construction industry is the the largest land-based industry in all countries um around the world so there should the, actually we should have much more research about productivity than we have but we don't <laughs> and i wonder why nobody's interested to find out more <laughs> i think yeah maybe i'm i'm living in a bubble with uh, curious people but i know a lot of people who are <laughs> but we don't know where to start because it's so huge and and we don't have time to make scientific research and, and we need we need the scientific methodology and we don't have that so we need the research institutes to to work with us here and we need funding for that funding in in a in a in a size and a focus that has to be on governmental level. I'm not aware of any programs around the world who have like a big program doing this. I, mean, I, I don't to make tools, measuring tools. We're back to measuring now uh, to make sure because everything actually everything here is about is this worth doing? Exactly. Everything has a cost, and everything has a turnout. Is it is it turnout better than the cost? Then we're doing it. That, 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 it's so simple, but uh, we don't know. So we are actually, I've been working in the blind for the last 20 years. I have to admit that. Uh, and uh, I made a lot of people happy, but I made them richer. I'm not sure. I can't say that. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe, maybe, I shouldn't have, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Can you cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> I can, but that would not be funny. It's okay. It's no, a casual no, talk. It's okay. okay. Uh, I think I have to live with that. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, the, uh, so uh, I'm thinking like, this is like in order for this, like let's say that uh, nobody, no research uh, body will do that. Like for you to find out more on that. 
like you need uh, to start a process or something like to monitor uh, some of the buildings or some of the projects and see how maybe use some machine learning or artificial intelligence to train it to 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 give you some some uh, some data after a while but it would be difficult if you don't start harvest some data or if you can go back and you can, you have some data that you can rely upon but uh, I, I don't have any examples coming to mind right, right now. I, but I, I, I know that there are uh, parallel initiatives in Startsburg looking at, for example, sensor data and also uh, assessing use of AI to see patterns in, in, uh, in sensor, sensor data. It's not my field. Uh, I don't know the details on where we are. I can tell you it's very early stage and I don't think we have it applied in any uh, construction, at least not on larger scale for now. I think the construction city cluster also that Starsburg is is partnering in is is also looking into that. So yes, it's quite new. It's very exciting. I wish I could tell you more, um, but time will tell. That's one of the other frustrating things in the construction industry. You can work a long time and and, and come up with some result, technical solutions or standards. Take you two years, but it takes you ten years. To find to, out <laughs> to have to find out if it works because the first building applying it it takes a lot of time to to design and construct and maintain for a couple of years to see does it work um, yeah that's that's kind of the bitter reality of of what we're doing here that it, it's not gonna, it's not going to make us rich and we don't see the the, the answer tomorrow never but uh, what what technologies actually do you think or processes can can work can can we use to come up with something like this with uh, with uh, with a good idea about this like is uh, like wh what can we like let's say that you have all the resources you need and uh, what technology or uh, what processes uh, would you use to make that happen or to to try to get an answer for this uh, very difficult question but, but i think i think th we're talking about multitude of of technologies here yeah, and sure. I'm not take. I'm not the tech guy, and I'm not, not going to point out one promising technology because I think we need a lot of te different technologies. So I would say open format, open standards, open API, uh, whatever technology it takes. I don't care about the technology. It's about the information, and it has to be accessible from wherever perspective you you look upon it from. That's how detailed I, I usually go on on technical issues uh, with actually without talking about specifics. And I don't think we should do it here. What, what you're talking about here, um, AI in following, following up existing constructions based on a lot of sensor data combined with models, um, that's a lot of solutions working together here. It, it's, not, it's not one solution. If that one solution, it, it, that will be that's what they build in the oil and gas industry. They have a, a few software vendors that are huge. You you cannot do anything. They have kind of monopoly. It is kind of based on open standards, but you don't really. I'm I'm not sure if they need that because it's everything is integrated in one software. And and when you discuss with those people, yes, everything works very good together. Um, but if somebody comes up with a new idea to do something, it's it's almost impossible to to get it implemented. But in 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 the in the construction industry, because we have IFC, you have a lot of startups working with small apps that actually become quite successful. You see that all around in in uh, Scandinavia and the Nordic countries. Many of those uh, software that you that, that are mainstream used today, they are actually solutions to something that the large 
almost monopoly uh, vendors did not uh, have, were not interested in, didn't see the potential of, but some, 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 somebody come, came up with it. And the only thing, the, one of the reasons why they really succeeded is that they were not having to succumb to, to one format. They could actually be independent. And that is IFC. And that's one of the reasons why we are uh, requiring everything in, in open formats. Yeah, actually, this might be the solution. Like yeah, to not wait many years to uh, monitor uh, how uh, building uh, is used. Going back, if we have open data from organizations that are willing to do that and use that maybe to find some patterns or something. Uh, and uh, regarding the closed, uh, the closed uh, environment in the monopoly is the same. I'm sorry to, to bring the bad news to you, but it's the same for us as well. Uh, like the software, it's very proprietary. Like uh, we don't have too much. Like yeah, we we start having uh, IFC because it's pushed and to have this format. But the software, mostly, it's very proprietary. And uh, this uh, what is happening with uh, this kind of solutions, like you mentioned, it's very exciting with the startups that they, with the, the medium. And but you see, mostly what happens, the big vendors are buying this kind of solutions and uh, I don't know. And, and making them proprietary. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know why if if to be, yeah, I'm happy for the guys for Spacemaker who just sold the, the company a few days ago. But from a, a, a part involved in AAC, I'm not sure if I should be very happy about this. No, no, you can say that. It's, um, yeah, they, they kind of did the, entrepreneur's dream of making something and, and uh, becoming rich. So uh, uh, it's uh, then it's interesting what they're what they're doing now. Yeah. How, how, how that's going to go. And you've seen you've seen those patterns before. I know it, it's true. It's it's uh, it, it seems unfortunately that that the last the large um, software vendors, international software vendors, um, they see it as as a competitive edge to be pro proprietary and to build everything in their own ecosystem and, uh, and make everything works there and not really prioritize uh, open data. We, we see that. We're sticking to our requirements and, yeah, uh, yeah, and, sure. and, and, and hope that we can convince enough other clients to, to, to do the same. Yeah. So, so that at least it seems that, um, it seems like Europe is is kind of the the open open information stronghold. Um, I know I know of course all all software are one way or another proprietary, but it's about when you look at the exchange of information. Uh, to what level is it uh, based on open formats or um, or proprietary formats? And I think that at least we see signs going in the right direction in 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 Europe. Yeah. Uh, I would. Uh, I don't know how much you are you aware about uh, open source. Actually, not only open format, but open source, which I think is very important. Like for other industries, like why do you think IT uh, flourished so much and uh, uh, we we benefit from so many good uh, applications that changed our life, right? Because there is so so uh, so nice, so good, so uh, thriving uh, open source community, right? For us. There are very, 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 uh, it's very niche. It's a very small niche. And uh, uh, companies, unfortunately, I see that that could be something that could help. Like open source solutions should be, people should uh, learn more about and uh, try to support this. Because 
it's always nice to have uh, to not depend on 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 product uh, that uh, a vendor might uh, take it in a direction that you won't like tomorrow or something, right? So we unfortunately we don't really have this culture in uh, in AAC uh, for open source. We we grew up uh, with the proprietary solutions from the uh, schools from uh, the universities, and we got used to this. And uh, it's very little effort. But there there are some things happening. I'm trying to get myself involved as much as possible with Blender Beam, for example, Blender Beam add-on, which is a 3D modeling add-on in Blender, which is a computer gaming this modeling which is very, very good. Like it's uh, competing with the paid solutions. And uh, the Blender Beam add-on, it's uh, like trying to make uh, some tools that are good for AAC for this. But it's, it's, uh, it, it requires much more uh, involvement to get to something that can compete uh, with, with, the tool, with the paid tools, right? Uh, but it will help if people like uh, will involve more a little bit, learn a little bit more and... Um, Try to help. There, it's there are many possibilities, and especially of course organizations. But if people don't know about this, organizations won't support this either, right? So yeah, uh, what do you think about open source? At least we're we're in a situation where we have people like you starting to ask those questions and start to do something about it. And uh, and again, yeah, maybe we could all wish that things happen faster, but it only happens as fast as we we make it ourselves because we cannot expect any, anybody else to do it. Uh, I think I think you're right. Uh, we can learn a lot from the other industries. Um, and there, there is there is a, a culture for being proprietary, not just with formats, but also information uh, and solutions. And everybody has want to everybody wants to make this to make uh, the uh, to 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 get rich to do something right once and and then sell it and become rich but it's not how it works uh it's not really how it should works we we have to share um one of the things i've been so irritated about it's not directly the same thing here is that all architect companies are making their own object libraries and think that it's kind of it, it's their their chest of gold and it who cares about their object libraries? Everybody has their own object libraries because that's how they work. And you would never want the object libraries from uh, other companies. Maybe if you're a, a very green startup with few resources, okay, maybe you share. But they're not. I mean, they're not a threat to anybody. So who cares about your object libraries? Stop arguing about the ownership to it and share it. I mean, we pay. We're paying you for your services, not your objects. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, that's just an example of how we can again. It's a we don't have the culture for sharing, um, and uh, we can learn a lot of that from from IT who started more probably more like idealistic before they got rich. Uh, so you have still had this idealistic approach in in the parts of the communities. We could need that, but but uh, it's emerging. Uh, I, I think you you're. Uh, you're a good example of, of that since you you asked the questions. Yes, I'm trying. Uh, I I really believe that we need alternatives. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of work to be done, but uh, it's not impossible. I I'm I'm not the the right guy to tell uh, to that uh, something is impossible. It's just a matter of more steps to get there. But uh, yeah, you need to start some some. In Starts, we're never going to say that it, even if, if you have like open source uh, sort tools or anything, we, we say that you, you have to use that, but we cannot do that. 
but we can of course say that uh, you 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 have you have to be able to communicate with let's say right now is the IFC. We hope for better solutions uh, for better uh, both exchange and and also uh, editing of uh, of geometry and so on uh, that you have today with IFC. It doesn't really work that well. We know there are limitations of what you can do. Um, so of course we are looking into new uh, opportunities. If you see that a number of, of, of products start to support uh, open format solutions that will bring us forward, we can start to require that and make everybody else follow. So um, we're hoping for that. Is there uh, something important uh, that I missed ask you uh, that should be important for the built environment to know about, like regarding BIM adoption? some points that you would like to underline? I think you picked my brain pretty good now. Uh, I, don't, I don't have anything right now that, that comes up in uh, that will not be kind of a summary of uh, what we talked about for the last one and a half hour. Um, so um, uh, Maybe a few yeah. words about Simba. What exactly Simba is in, uh, in a few words? It's a kind of umbrella uh, name for for a set of solutions, uh, but the the most important part is that we have taken most of our requirements um, and and be very specific about them into a database. So you have specific requirements for different object classes like uh, valves and pumps and uh, lamps and walls, and say that this discipline has to give us information about this object class. On that level, we need identification, we need that level of geometry, and we need those uh, properties about it at this stage. And then we have a preset, uh, we have a project model in Stabsburg where, where you, we can require according to it. The most important part here again is that you can take that requirement in an open format requirement, machine readable uh, format. Uh, right now it's, uh, MDXML. You can also use Excel. Uh, we're working on that. Uh, we're also looking into this very new project called IDS that will lower the threshold of, of uh, so you, it, it's easier to program with than MDXML. Uh, uh, so, but that's a, that's a startup. We're looking into that. So we're very open to that. But right now it's MDXML. You can have it, for example, SimpleBIM has in, already implemented it. There are other companies there that are solutions that are following now. So you, I think at least one other solution will follow next year. Um, and uh, they can check the IFC files according to that. And that is, is the eye in the BIM uh, that will, uh, the information it will check. Is there any information here where you require it or not? Um, so, and, and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't check the quality of the information yet, but we're also looking into that. This will take a long time to develop, to become more and more automatic. Uh, but right now it works very fine. We have a good experience with the first projects that we have uh, applied this on uh, since the um, uh, requirement went in place uh, since the start of this year. Very good experience for both some large projects, small projects. So it, it actually helped them to get a better structure on the model and also better cooperation between the disciplines. So um, it, it, this is a win-win. And uh, then, of course, there are some other information about more like a few other general requirements, some guidance. Uh, but we have moved away from giving a broad guidance to everything. Actually, we think that the industry, especially designers, contractors, they're much better at their processes and using BIM than we are now. 
So we should not tell them uh, how to do things. We just tell them what we want, what kind of information, open format, well, how, how they're doing it. It's not really our business anymore. Um, so, but then of course we give a, a few guidelines uh, guiding to, to the new things uh, like uh, coding, classification, um, uh, process status coding, and so on. What we see into that. But that, that's that basically the uh, that is the the simple solution. It's for new buildings, as I said, and and then we have a a coming uh, requirement set also for existing buildings. How what the minimal requirement for making model of existing uh, constructions as well. So. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then we have a lot of uh, things on uh, the simple solution. I hope next year we'll start a project to make reference models. So if you're not uh, very interested in looking at, at uh, sheets of requirement where you are actually more focused and used to work with models, you can have a model where, where you can see how things are done, both proprietary and in IFC. So you can see, okay, but, so this requirement has to look like this can be applied in product like this. If I'm doing it right way, then it will be accepted. So, so that is that, and that will of course be one of a part of the simple project as, as well. Uh, and then we're looking in, into uh, if there are parts of 19650, for example, uh, that should should uh, go into this database, the solution. So maybe all requirements are available from from the same database instead of something is in a database and something is on our homepage. Uh, so make everything available in one place. So, but it's more that's more like user interface and make things more easier to use. So um, actually, we're 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 doing software design here, uh, solution design on a shoestring budget and just a few people. Very exciting, um, but um, we cannot do everything at once. So, and and right now it's a bit of an expert system. It does require some skills to to operate it, um, but. Uh, on, on further down the road, we expect uh, it to be much easier to use and also translated to Norwegian. Right now it's in English because we work together with uh, the solution vendors are in Germany and Finland. So, uh, but it will be translated to Norwegian. That sounds good. Uh, regarding the requirements, uh, are the requirements formulated with facility management in mind or just for the building to be built? Um, it's more like the handover because we actually we are not mature on a level where we can say that we we know that we are going to use the BIM like this for operation. We don't know that yet. So what we're saying is we're building in some 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 key data that you can reference and find, and so you, so you can kind of link the model to the already existing system where you have the construction, the actual physical construction will also, you can have physical tagging of certain elements, uh, technical components and so on. And then you have a huge pile of uh, hopefully structured documentation of, of, your, of your construction. And we want to place the, the, the model information model somewhere in there. So it becomes a part of that. So you can both link the physical building with the model uh, to see them geometrically together. And also you can, look up, for example, look up documentation from the model. So you point an object and you get access to it without knowing that you're actually uh, uh, bridging several different solutions, but via, for example, open API or one common solution, uh, making everything available. That's kind of the what we where we're going, but it's not in place yet. So right now it's, it's just kind of the, the, the key 
almost like uh, the classification coding for the CFM, as we call it in Norway, uh, for example, or, or get in a global trade item number for GS, GS1 to, to get access to, to product uh, vendor and product and type information. Uh, that kind of data we are, we're doing now. So that's more like the handover. We don't know, we don't, actually it's a bit of a uncharted territory, uh, how we're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, Kobe, are you using Kobe at all? Uh, no, I have to say no. Uh, we're not using Kobe. Uh, Kobe has an approach that is not very uh, um, sympathetic to us. It's like data drop. When the construction is is done, you more like squeeze the the your model like a lemon. Uh, so you get a lot of uh, information out of it in a systematic way. In a, for example, a database or Excel spreadsheet, and and then you update everything there. And there's no link together back to the model. So the model is de facto obsolete the day after you, you start working with your, your construction. Um, so before we can have a, um, a, a link back to the model, so you can work with your information in what database you want or what tool you want, but it should be linked. And before we can do that, it's not interesting. But I think the learning from Kobe uh, that they have identified a lot of information that is relevant uh, yes, I think we can learn from that. And there is now an ongoing project in uh, Building Smart International that we are actually, Starspeak is, uh, is is part of, um, that is called the International COBE. Uh, so, so to internationalize, COBE is a US uh, system, uh, very much linked to US classification and and an Anglo-Saxon way of doing things, which is very um, uh, regulated and uh, probably not precisely as we do it in, in, in the continental Europe and especially in, in the Nordic countries. So I, I look forward to see what learning we can take from Kobe when we are making kind of um, making a more international and neutralized version of it. I think we can learn a lot from that, but it's, it's early stage. So um, I, I'm not sure what the learnings will be here. I understand. One last question. Are you employing any of these technologies like VR or uh, uh, virtual reality or augmented reality or drones? Are you using yourself or you or? Uh... I myself use uh, VR a lot and used in several projects. Uh, I'm not in projects right now, so I just use VR at home uh, with my kids. Uh, but uh, I have worked with it in in, in construction also professionally. And uh, I think it's a, it's a good tool for decision making, um, uh, especially for users, not non-professionals uh, who don't have uh, understanding uh, when you, they not even when they see a, a BIM, they don't really have the spatial understanding of how it how it works to to walk around between the uh, these rooms and how it will function. But once you take the VR on, uh, they get their own scale into. The, the design and and they understand it immediately. It's, it's very communicative. Um, I'm not sure if we're using it. We don't have a centralized way of using it. Uh, we have some whisk kits uh, in um, some of my colleagues who are very good at this, uh, who can support projects, and we have solutions also. Um, but it's done in projects. Uh, we also have a cave solution. I'm not sure that is used. Uh, augmented reality. I'm, I'm I'm not sure about that. I think that augmented reality is interesting when there is a reality. And which beginning with uh, construction, and that's more like the uh, contractors uh, department. 
I think we should definitely look into it when we talk about uh, uh, operation, especially operation in in uh, in areas that are might not be easily accessible, um, or, or when you want to uh, remote control uh, uh, technical rooms with a lot of gorges and so on, uh, where you can actually get access to a lot of different data and so on. But but, but now now I'm just inventing things here, making things up in my head because it's not it's not done yet. Uh, but I, that's what I see where we can use it, where, where it can be applicable uh, of interest, but I, I, I don't know. Drones are used um, more and more uh, for registering um, from the outside of building, uh, both of existing building. Of course, contractors use it uh, to, to monitor uh, progress as well. So I think that is, that is one of the technologies that we see emerging now. Uh, it's quite promising also. The, Price is going down, quality of information is going up. So, um, but I don't personally have a lot of uh, information about it, uh, I, uh, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, Stan, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Um, it's really interesting. So, um, yeah. I really uh, took some time to uh, to pick your brain here. So I hope it's fine for you. It's, it's completely empty now. I can promise you that. So yeah, thank you very day. much. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye-bye.